I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV. And gentlemen, my name is Jack Farmer, and we are coming to you live all across Southern California. And have we got a show for you? AEW Dynamite is live once again, and we're going to break it down. But before we get into the dust ups and fisticuffs, let me introduce to you the amazing people I get to work with today. First, he is typically the king of the bing, bang, and boom, and the super heavyweight of AfterBuzz himself. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for Josh Alonzo. That's right. That's right. What's going on, y'all? What a great night, and great to see so many familiar faces. And speaking of familiar faces, the next guy coming up, Jack, introduce him. Ladies and gentlemen, he's more than just the mayor. He's more than just the president. He's more than just the prime minister. He's also lost his way home after the NXT After Show. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big round of applause for the special guest star, Flo Bo Boy. I'm AEW After Show. I don't have any bus fare to get home, and that is undisputed. Oh, snap. And of course, making sure you guys can hear us and see us and doing all the dirty work in the booth today. Let's hear it for Rye Guy. How you doing, Rye Guy? I am caught off guard. How are you doing, Jack? Oh, man. AEW was wild tonight. I just read about it on Twitter, and I cannot wait to hear about it from y'all. Well, as mentioned at the top, my name is Jack Farmer, and I get to be the host tonight, and I am super excited. As mentioned, guys, we are back. We are live, and we even got like 5% of a crowd back in the arena. This is step number one to greatness. Guys, what were your overthoughts of the show? Josh, let me know what you thought. I mean, credit to the crowd. I mean, even though there were just a sprinkling of crowd like here and there, it still made a bigger impact than what we've had in the pre-tapings in the past. I mean, it definitely resonates a lot more having that sort of crowd emotion going along with like with the matches and as the event went on and everything. So it was great. And I can't wait to see as time progresses. And of course, once this pandemic's over, we'll see more and more and more crowd in, uh, interaction with it. And then this definitely will elevate the show to a whole nother level. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, you can feel the live. I, I don't know why. I don't know why you can tell. You can just feel that it's live. And then I'm feeling alive because of it. Flobo, are you feeling alive? I'm feeling it, man. Open air, open sky. Wrestling is a performance art, man. And yeah, the crowd was smaller than what we're used to. But you know what? Some crowd is maybe a little better than no crowd whatsoever. And AEW's credit, they brought the heat as well. You know, it, like I said, the live, you just feel it. You just feel the live. Anything can happen. Atmosphere. Uh, and something did happen. They they mentioned something that I have not yet heard on any wrestling shows. Maybe I just haven't paid attention. They said by name COVID. They talked about the virus specifically. And they talked about how the city they're in is handling it and all this other stuff. Uh you know, Bobo, let me go to you. Is this like actually addressing? Is it time to just say, "Hey, there's no crowd because of COVID"? Is it something they should still kind of keep on the download because it's? I mean, we all know, but you know, just don't say things that may, might be uncomfortable. Like, what, how do you feel about them finally addressing it and just saying this is what's going on? 
Yo, fantastic question because I think WWE on NXT tonight mentioned it for the first time as well because of the the Real Heroes project where you like put your name on on someone else's jersey. And to me, that stuck out being the first time mentioning it. But let's be honest, man. I can understand if you're saying, no, we're escapist entertainment. Let's not mention the bad words. But every other company on the planet has a commercial or an email or a policy. You're just putting your head in the sand if you don't. So I think it's okay. I don't think it's okay. As long as you don't overdo it, then it's all fair game. Yeah. Are you, uh, Josh, do you agree? You're, you're all on, on board for them. To just let's, let's talk about it. Let's, I definitely agree. Open air. You have to pretty much reveal the elephant in the room. You can't just ignore it for this amount of time. I mean, a lot of sports teams are doing it here specifically in LA. I know the Kings, the Dodgers and the Lakers and some other sports organizations within the city, they're doing their own little thing and just trying to organize as much money as they can to give in donation to a lot of charities, to people that are affected with the pandemic and everything. So I think it's really good on AEW's credit to acknowledge why there isn't such much of a crowd and then why everyone's kind of a bit of a distance and everyone's wearing a mask. It's just pretty much just bring into light what's going on in the current state of what's going on, not just in the United States, but around the world. And speaking of what's going on in the United States and around the world and around the arena, we close the show with a tag team match player. And uh, it, it, it was a, I, don't, I can't remember if it was a hardcore match or a Falls Count Anywhere match or a no Rose Bard match. They're all coming to get it all. Something, something. So we, uh, like, I don't, they're all the same. The no Rose Bard, the Falls Count Anywhere, the hardcore matches. But what I loved about this, whenever I've watched a hardcore match or a, a match where there's no rules, you always say to yourself, why don't they just do this? Why don't they just run them over with a car? Why don't they just have all of their buddies jump in and help them out? Why don't they do such and such? Tonight, they did such and such. People got ran over by cars. People, the whole inner circle got involved. All the wrestlers were falling around backstage. Uh, Josh, how did you, did you I, I, I can't contain my excitement. I love this match. Tell Just me sp- you liked it also. No, a spectacular <laughs> match overall. And one thing you forgot to mention, the costume changes. Matt Hardy, to his credit, Every time he got knocked or specific bumped into something that we couldn't see him, next thing you know, costume change. First time, <laughs> broken Matt Hardy. Uh, you know, Chris Jericho takes him out to the entrance ramp, throws him into the tunnel. Next thing you know, we see co- someone coming, running out. I was confused at who it was at first. And then I see it's Matt Hardy in his version one gear. And I'm just like, whoa, what the hell just happened here? Like, how? Like what? And then next thing you know, on the ice chest, and then he comes back as his broken face. It was just amazing. With the costume changes, just perfect. The whole time, when, when he went into the ice chest, I was thinking, if he comes out with Dippin' Dots, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be a good callback. <laughs> that, that would be. <laughs> I would have lost. The whole time, I was like, please come out with him. But, uh, uh, but yeah, you you'd mentioned attires. Uh, of course, you know, everyone wearing their jeans and T-shirt. Kenny Omega looking like attire number four in the No Mercy Nintendo 64 game. Uh, good callback. Yeah, uh, but um, – yeah, so so something that, that Matt Hardy has been doing is he's been going back and forth between uh, Damascus and um, version one. Global, I want to get your take on old old Matt Hardy. How do you feel about this broken character? Do you prefer broken over uh, version one? Do you like the fact that he's bouncing back and forth between them? What are your thoughts on, on old Matt Hardy? It's it's funny, uh, one, because Matt Hardy wants to be in the runway by himself this week, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and two, yeah. you know, historically, I've been a version one fan only because of where it was in his career. 
He was a tag mm-hmm. team guy. Everyone loved Jeff, and, and Matt was the other guy. So he came out with the first one, had the MFers. I've always been clinging to that. But if you take a step back and look at his entire career, the development under the original Broken hasn't been done before. It hasn't been done since. It just stands on its own. And Woken was kind of watered down. Damascus is good. It's a little derivative, but it's good. But the fact the vessel's able to oscillate through all those different ones to come back whenever, that's like, it rewards fans for being a fan of him for that long. And that's mm-hmm. dope. I can't believe I heard a commentator say in a serious way, Damascus has emerged from the ice in the middle of a match. <laughs> 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 it's just, uh, it was such a funny, funny thing. Uh, of course, the inner circle comes out on top. They have to in a match like this, especially the way it played out. So they've got strength in numbers. They have the inner circle, though, show on the billboard or the uh, scoreboard behind them. And it's the coolest, one of the coolest, like, ends to a, uh, a show I've seen in a very long time. Uh, but what I want to talk about this match, and I think I haven't seen a lot of people talk about so far or mentioned so far, is Something that AEW is always very good about that I see is is layering stories and not just having straight this person's facing this person, this person's facing this person, and that's going to go into the pay per view and then they move on. Uh, today we saw something. We saw we saw. I'm not going to keep saying. Oh, I'm going to say young Pineapple Pete took a shot at the champion, and uh, before the match, uh, Pineapple Pete maybe two matches in AEW and already taking shots at. The top guy, Flobo, do you think it'd be okay for Jericho to 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 rub shoulders with Pineapple Pete? Oh, man, that's going to be your double nothing main event. Pineapple Pete, Jericho, baby. <laughs> Look, I, we always talk about comedy wrestling, and some purists go, hey, you know, it's cheapening the brand of things that were happening in the independent scene. Pineapple Pete's a perfect balance because it's silly, it's goofy, you don't take him seriously, but he's still a wrestler. So he can go out there mm-hmm. and do his thing. A couple of weeks ago when he had that match in the ring, he had to work out the way he did, but you're like, you know what? It, I want to root for him now. I want to see him win. So if there was a match with Jericho or there was an angle with Jericho, even Guevara, if you threw, threw him Hager and you gave him like a little five-minute you know, desktop and or fisticuff, that would be totally worth <laughs> the price of admission, you know? Yeah, just one of them, a fisticuff or a dust-up. Either <laughs> yeah. one, I would take it. Maybe a hijinks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I lost the right to say flim-flam. They stole that from me. I still say flim-flam was my word, even though they were saying it like in the 1920s. It's my word. Uh, <laughs> words? Is it two words? I don't know. Uh, somewhere that we have a lot of words, though, uh, is um, – by the way, just one more repeat. Loved this ending of the show. I thought it was so much fun. Uh, but as far as saying words and saying words that mean a lot, we do what we call cutting a promo around here at After Buzz, where we tell people where you can see people like that, like us and shows like us everywhere. And uh, I haven't told who's going to say it this week, so I'm going to throw it randomly to Josh Alonzo. Let's hear you do one. I, I, All right. I don't get to hear you do one very often. Well, on my screen. let me warm up the pipes. <laughs> Alrighty, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us here on AfterBuzz TV. It means so much, but please hit that subscribe button. It means a whole lot for us. We got a lot of content for us, not only just wrestling. We got also comedy. We got dramas. We got sci-fi. We got reality. You know what's all going on with this 90 Day Fiance stuff? We all love Big Ed, right? So just 
hit those comments below definitely leave a like for us and not only that go on itunes give us those five star ratings because four through one uh, sorry pardon me one through four just don't work five stars is the max and before we move Bang. on quick shout out to the chat right now we got dang mq we got joseph boza we got haywood wong we got dylan matthews we got all the usual subsects so thank you so much everyone and keep allowing us to be the espn of tv talk nailed it if we were still in the studio i'm sure there'd be a ding ding coming up are we still getting the uh cutout of maria menounos walking by the bottom of the screen during these shows uh Maybe Who it's knows? happening now. Maybe she's popping up right here. Or here. Ryan, Ryan, or this here. is where you got to time it. You got to set it up. It's happening right here. Yeah, it's okay. definitely not coming across the screen right now. Uh... <laughs> hey, babe, has been broken. <laughs> Stay, thanks. We could have fixed it in, in post, but whatever. I guess that was just the miracle of live TV, folks. Uh, something that wasn't live was a pre-tape promo by Sean Spears, someone who's been a little bit lost lately, not really know where he's going, uh, but he had a promo, and again, this is one of those layered things where he didn't just have a straight-up rivalry, but he was talking about Cody Rhodes and how terrible Cody Rhodes was building into his match Lance Archer for the TNT title. Now, my question is, oh, by the way, I, real quick, uh, Zeno Hour, I, shout out to you as well. You're in the, you're in the, uh, the chat as well. Uh, so we didn't forget about you. Sorry about that. Um, and the, uh, uh, anyway, as I was saying, the, it looks like it's more than just Sean Spears putting over Lance Archer. It feels a little bit like he's taking shots at Cody Rhodes. Uh, Flobo, would you be on board to see another program with Sean Spears versus Cody Rhodes? Or does does Sean Spears need to start building up some street cred before he can go after the king again? It's a hard play because at first I'm like, oh, heck no, Cody's over here and Sean's over there. But Cody is the world's elite. He's one of the people who can work with anybody on any level. I go back to the first ever episode of Dynamite. We had a, a promo against Sammy Guevara being like, I don't know if I can beat him, knowing full well he was going to beat him. Uh, the problem I have with Sean Spears is that I don't really see the killer instinct. He really should be a guy where you're like, oh, snap, can Cody beat him? So the question isn't so much if I don't want to see it. The question is, how quickly is Cody going to dispatch Sean Spears? And that makes it lame, and that's a question. So if I was that, I'll have him a little side program here, Pineapple Pete maybe, and then come back and mm -hmm. go after Cody Rhodes afterwards. Does uh, Josh, does, does a, a side feud with uh, Jericho and Pineapple Pete and a side feud with uh, Sean Spears and Cody put two of their top guys in, in rivalries that maybe aren't that important? Is that a risk for them, you think? I don't think it's a risk. And I'll say this. It's definitely what we've mentioned earlier. It's definitely a great opportunity for two, I guess, lower card guys to get that bump and to get that shoulder rub to really elevate them to be a little bit more. And Pineapple Pete's case, of course, I personally have never heard of him prior to this tonight. So I'm just like, who, who, who's this guy? I don't know who he is. But in that case, he goes up in a match with Jericho and people like me are going to be like, OK, we're going to get exposed to more of his in-ring work. And it's going to be great. And as far as Aries Spears goes, we all know him and when he was in WWE and then now transitioning to a new character here in AEW, it's definitely one of those things where I personally don't want to see this matchup again until Aries Spears builds up a little bit more of a repertoire, beating other top guys as well. Sean or Spears. To mid -card. Yeah, Aries yeah, Spears Sean's on Matt TV. Yeah. Oh, my apologies, Sean Spears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You know, something that happened is uh, they, something's done a little bit with these uh, these empty arena shows is Sean Spears has been palling around with one MJF. And before all this started, Sean Spears was looking for a tag team partner. I was watching today as they were all palling around, chatting, make, telling each other they're great. I could see a Wardlow Sean Spears tag team being incredibly dominant. Flobo, would you be on board with that? And would that be the thing to give Sean Spears some instant credibility in a new division? And the short answer, yes, but he has to get a Burberry mask too. That's the only way I want to see that happen. But uh, AEW's problem, if there is such a problem, is that the factions they have right now are kind of still intertwined. So if you have them together as a tag team, even a third man faction, where do they go? Because they broke up SCU, so they won't be the easy fighter team for them. Um, but yes, this on a poster, seeing MJF, Wardlow, and Spears, yeah, I'm buying the merch. And Tully, too. Because Tully's, <laughs> Tully's a man. Yeah, the, the, chair, the chairman, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you said earlier, something you said that I like is, uh, you talked about how Cody is so good at getting the other people to seem like legitimate, serious threats. Uh, and today he had a match with Joey Janela. Joey Janela, by the way, every time he wrestles, I end up saying to myself, oh, he can actually wrestle pretty well. He's not just a hardcore guy. Every time I say it, every single time I say it, I put it in my notes, every time, wow, Joey Janela wrestles pretty good. Uh, are you on board with Joey Janela, Flobo? Are you a Joey, Joey Janela guy? Joey Janela was the one guy I was hyped when they signed. Like, I'm not saying Kid Omega was whack or anything like that, but when they're like, oh, they got Janela? Oh, look at the bad boy! I was, I was, I marked out, and his like first six months were like, man, what? And I mean, Josh, you, I'm sure you had the same thing too. You know, when the the power ranking in 2019, you may have some favorites going like, Rick, come on, guys. Uh, so you know, when he comes out, it's always like, don't break my heart, Joey. Don't break my heart. Okay, fine. <laughs> Here we go. So I'll always be a fan, but it's in that that weird. Uh, on Monday Night Raw, we had a thing about Apollo Cruz, right? Like, I mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always telling people he's so good, he's so good, and then. <laughs> yeah the uh when i watch when i watch joey wrestle he is someone i, I call him joey because we're close like that uh we have uh uh he he wrestles fun to me I, I feel like he's the guy that like i don't i don't know the process of figuring out how you're gonna wrestle or what your style is gonna be but everything he does just seems fun like it seems like a, a fun way to wrestle uh josh does this he's a Joey Janela has been kind of a start-stop kind of role lately. Does a hard-fought loss to the American Nightmare make him someone we need to take notice of? Or do you think this is sort of just par for the course and what we should expect from him going forward? I think he's always someone that we should always take note of. I mean, obviously with his matches last year, they were pretty much great. And then this time around, it raises his stock up a little bit more. And then I'm pretty sure once that TNT title, it comes into full effect, he's going to be a, a perennial contender to whoever's going to be the title holder at that point. Win or loss, I think this really just raises his ante up just a little bit more. And it just gives a lot more of a value. Like I, just like you guys, I just always saw, saw him as a hardcore wrestler. I didn't really see much of that tonight and seeing something else like traditional mat wrestling and traditional just like movesets and everything it was so refreshing to see and then what you guys said earlier what cody matched up against anyone can bring out an awesome match and then this match with joey janela was by far amazing as well and such a great way to kick it off as well something that uh, jr said during the during the match he said uh, cody is wrestling angry 
And for the past few weeks, I've been noting how Cody's been wrestling. I've been saying, Cody seems like he's wrestling angry. Then JR said it. So when he said that, I just want to put it out there. I looked at my empty shelf of imaginary After Buzz Wrestling Pundit Awards and said, there's another one that goes up on the shelf because boy, howdy, do I know what I'm talking about. Boy, boy howdy. <laughs> boy, howdy. Take a gander out my awards over there. Yeah. <laughs> I've been through a lot of flim flam to get all yeah. these awards. <laughs> flim flam. Uh, yeah, I like they shook hands after uh, just, I guess, I think trying to have us show a physical version of Cody saying, look, man, that was good. I respect you. Well done. Uh, I hope to see more of the guy. Uh, but who we saw more of today was a little bit more of Brandy Rhodes. She had a promo. She was she was doing a verbal finger wagon at uh, Jake the Snake for calling her out and all the mean things he said. She was sounding pretty upset, pretty angry, kind of almost doing the um, the Nightmare Collective kind of sound. Maybe not quite as as dark and devious, but she definitely had the claws out. Uh, Flobo, I, I'm always torn with Brandy because. She seems so lovable and so nice. And I, I just I want to be like, you're such a lovable person. But it seems like whenever she gets on the mic, she's always drawn to being a, a scary, kind of aggressive, uh, intimidating kind of person. Is that is that the right move for her? Am I crazy? I, I don't think she's doing a bad job. I just think I like her. Like, just let me think you're nice, right? <laughs> uh, you I would say she's grown so much as a performer, just as long as Dynamite's been on the air, where I felt like now it's a lot more natural, even though it comes from a place where you can tell she's being angry or being dist or being distraught or what have you, it didn't come off as hollow as a Nightmare Collective thing. And we do need an audience surrogate to say, hey, Mr. The Snake Roberts, you're saying rooming things, you know? Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I think Brandon can be very nice, but I think there's a is like a, almost like a conscious effort to subvert that. Like she doesn't want to be seen as the wife or someone who's agreeable. I'm going to show you my power through her dialogue and promo. So uh, I, I've gone from hating it actively to being like, there's something there. I'm cool. Cool. How about, uh, so, so Josh, she, um, she, she was attacked after, well, not, I don't know if it's attacked, but uh, Jake the Snake brought back Old, old Damien. I assume it's still Damien. I doubt that Damien's <laughs> It's probably Damien the fourth by now. <laughs> right. I'm going to pretend it's the same old Damien. Uh, brought out Damien and uh, You still got it. You still got it. <laughs> yes, I love it. Uh, and and put, her, put her on Brandy making this rivalry with Lance Archer getting really, really personal. Did you like seeing him get involved like that? Did you cringe a little bit? They talked about COVID at the beginning. I'll talk about it now. Do you feel kind of like, dude, you got to get out of the ring. You got to stay away from people. What are your thoughts going through this? I'll say this. It was kind of, wouldn't say obvious what was going to happen. I mean, Brandy did mention it in her promo saying, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. I'm not going to allow it. That's pretty much in hindsight saying, okay, this is going to happen. I didn't expect uh, for Damien the fourth to come out. That was just like, oh my goodness, are we really seeing it? And then next thing you know, nice little throwbacks to putting the snake on. It just, that brought an extra element to the whole thing because obviously that's just a normal trope. We always see the manager getting involved, especially with another wrestler having a significant other in a storyline. We usually always see someone interfering, bringing them into the ring, cornering, something happens, an attack happens or something malicious happens. We know that. 
this is adding an extra element because it brings in a fear that a lot of people have. A lot of people are deathly afraid of snakes and then seeing the snake just crawl around to a very unconscious and prone brandy, it sends shivers down my spine because I'm just like, okay, I was expecting one thing. I just wasn't expecting the extreme to happen. And I guess that's just a great way for any show to really amp up on your emotions like that, which was totally executed greatly. I think what they were trying to tell us today with both that promo and that post-match snakening was that these outside influences are more than just mouthpieces. I think they're both very much involved and their rivalry and their personality against each other is very much going to be a part of what happens. Uh, Poor QT Marshall was also part of what happens. He was on the other end of Lance Archer, who has been looking dominant. Before we talk about Lance Archer, I'm going to say, I'm going to front something else. I'm going to talk about something else. QT Marshall had some plugs put in, and I am happy for him. I think they're growing in. I know it's easy to make fun of that kind of stuff, but good, good for him. I think it's looking great. I think it's coming along well, and I think it's going to be something much like braces. You start off hating them, but when it's all said and done, you're glad you made the investment. Josh, I don't know about you, but I did not see that coming at all. I was like, QT Marshall had a good match. No, his plugs are coming. <laughs> Look, I think it's great. I, I feel like it's it's interesting. It seems like a lot of wrestlers recently have got plugs done because I think uh, Gulak had it done recently as well, and he looks great as well. I'm just saying, I'm I'm trying to get some good good uh, foundation for when I eventually get the plugs. And uh, <laughs> Jack, was always, Jack was always very supportive. Oh, you heard it here, uh, folks. Here, folks. <laughs> uh, uh, but. I have a question for you guys. So, so Lance Archer looking good. He has to move the blackout. It's like a inverted outsider's edge, I guess. I don't really know how to explain it. Um, he's not really winning with that anymore. He's been winning with this like claw where he slams her head into the mat. Uh, Josh, just your opinion. Which move do you like better? Do you think he should stick with that? The blackout, the outsider's edge, razor's edge. I personally I mean, got to say outsider's edge. I think. You got to go with the claw and then slamming onto the mat. That is just brutal in itself. If you think about that, you know that that would really devastate you in reality's sake. So him ending that match with just like the, oh, what is it? The, what do they call it? The, it was the Von Erichs move. What was it? The, uh, the iron claw, the claw, I believe it's called. The iron the claw. claw. Yeah. Okay. So just the having claw, that, just having that variation of it and just him just slamming onto the mat, that is just very visceral and guttural. And so I think that is a whole lot effective. Uh, I mean, uh, very well. He is really tall. So having that outsider's edge going onto that, that could be in a finishing move in itself. But we've also seen him finish matches with the choke slam itself. So it's just very cool to see him have a wide, wide array of moveset, of moves to finish matches. I mean, it's really great. It's sort of similar to what the undertaker did. He had the choke slam. He had the last right. He had the tombstone pile driver. He had different ways to finish matches. And I think that's really a great move on what they're doing for Lance Archer's part and just having different things that could totally annihilate his opponents. Yeah. Well, I, how I do you feel about guys having multiple moves? 
Sorry, uh, multiple moves and finishes was great, man, because you really, well, I think you should have one finisher and one, submi one submission maneuver. And Laird might do a, a fake character in a wrestling good looking on it. I had that uh, already set. Mm -hmm. The blackout, yeah. I like more as a fan. I think it's a, a cool move to do it. I, the, watching it week to week, I wonder as you get up there in age and you have a lot more heavier talent, can, you, can your shoulder maintain the rotation necessary to do that move? And will it be too dangerous over a period of time? But the claw or uh, whatever the equivalent is of it, it's more torn to his character. It looks like a nightmare. You know what I'm saying? I get that. So like character-wise, it's the right move to switch it up, uh, even though I like to see the other move. But when it's all said and done, you want multiple finishers, right? Because I look at The Undertaker, one of the, one, of the best, one of the best big men of all time, and throughout his career, whether it's a Hell's Gate, Last Ride, Tombstone, Pile Driver, Chokeslam, I mean, he's always switched it up, kept it fresh. Yeah, and I love the, the the great piece of advice in there, folks. Flobo said it. If you make a creator wrestler, you got to have a finisher from every position. It's very important. Uh, speaking of multiple finishers, though, Darby Allen's been using multiple finishers lately. He's had the coffin drop. He's also had the Last Supper pin. Uh, today he had an interview with Taz. Taz was kind of a jerk to him, to be totally honest. He's like, <laughs> he, was like you, he was like, you got beat, Darby. Cody, you, you pinned yourself. Man, you need some help. Maybe I can help you out. Uh, do you? It's, it sounded like they were teasing that maybe Taz could be a manager for Darby Allen. Uh, Flobo, I'm going to pass this one to you. One, two part, should Darby have a manager? I guess three part. Should Darby have a manager? Should it be Taz? If so, and should Darby start talking? I don't think I've heard him on a mic. Does Darby need a manager? No, he doesn't need one because his talent is already there and his character is very unique. And when his music hits and you see him come on top of the ramp, there ain't no one like Narby to help him. There's anyone to stick him out. Can he benefit from a manager? Of course, it's AEW. The promos alone on this brand is top of class. So anything to help you out is great. I'd rather Darby not have a manager than me stuck with like a legend who doesn't do as much. I'm looking at you, Telly. That's right. Hot take, hot take. Uh, Taz, Taz being a manager, I can see that. I can see Taz being the manager the way that Gulak's a manager for Brian on SmackDown. This tough coach, I hit hard, or from the old Brooklyn or what have you. But I do not think Taz will be up past 9.30 p.m. to hang out in cemeteries with Darby Allen. Character-wise, it doesn't quite work for me. Um, and Darby should talk. I'm not sure how good he is on the microphone. Um, but so if you want to have a silent character, that's fine. Make that decision now and say no, he's not going to talk. But if he has a microphone and says, I'm going to kick your ass, I'm on board. He doesn't need hey, much. Watch the language, son. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> I don't like son. <laughs> All right, money. All right, B. <laughs> All right, Holmes. You know, uh, uh, I'm going to beat your butt in the ring next week. You know? uh, so, um, Josh, let me ask you this. Everyone's been saying uh, that Darby Allen is the future, that he's mm. going to be the next Sting. They give him pretty high accolades, or not accolades, but uh, they compare him to big names, and they have pretty high hopes for him. Can he be that guy without having being on the microphone? Doesn't he need to prove that he can talk on a mic before we start comparing him to these guys? I think it is safe to make that comparison. Here's why. His character has a certain mystique which allows him not to talk. Or if he does talk, it's very brief and it's straight to the point. Similar, similar to what Sting did in when he was in his Crow gimmick, he rarely ever talked, especially at the beginning of that debut of the gimmick. Aleister Black, when he debuted in NXT, 
didn't really talk as much. Undertaker, we know he didn't really talk as much in his debut and everything like that. Of course, Kane as well. So there is a component to this. There can be success for a wrestler to have a gimmick where they don't have to talk. They let their actions speak for the words, especially with someone as, I guess you could say macabre, like someone like Darby Allen, whose gimmick is just the silent type, who is pretty much like, stereotypically like all punk rockers all metalheads they don't really talk they're just pretty much to themselves it's everyone against one person and i feel like stylistically if he were to pair up with taz it wouldn't work and so i think he can be that guy he can be the future of the of aew or any wrestling organization whatsoever but my point is he can be successful successful just by not talking or if he does talk to the point so, yeah, maybe we'll see Taz as the manager. But someone whose name rhymes with Taz is Kaz, and Kaz had a match with John Moxley. <laughs> you like that one? That was and, that's, that one. and that's, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a segue. Yeah, elite. <laughs> elite segue. Uh, Kaz has hair again. I, I don't know. Was he bald? He always had a shaved head. Yeah. Uh, did he have was was he thin on top? But he has hair now. I don't know. I was wondering if he got plugs as well. But his hair looked great. I thought he was looking good. Uh, it was a great match. Kaz is so underrated as far as just being someone who always has good matches. But of course, John Moxley won. Uh, the story of the match isn't that Kaz was in a great match with the world champion. The story of the match was the Dark Order shows up, wipes out John Moxley. SCU comes in to try to save the day. The Dark Order wipes them out as well. As I said on Twitter, this was like AEW saying, Anissa, Jack is right. The Dark Order is better than all the people you're a huge fan of. Yes, uh, specifically, that's what they said. Specifically. specific. I, I got tons of DMs about it from people who were within the organization. No, I didn't. But the, <laughs> um, I loved this. I loved what uh, Brody Lee said. One of my favorite things, he addresses that there's no crowd by saying to John Moxley, there's no crowd to save you, no energy to lift you up. This is the energy you feel now. Uh, obviously being the next to go after the title. Josh, is Brody Lee the right choice right now to be the guy to go after John Moxley? I'm going to go with a hot take. Absolutely not. I think it's just- way too early for him to have a main event title scene right now do i think he deserves it yes later on in the future i feel like he needs to have notable wins against top contenders to actually go for the title i mean what we've seen of Brody lee is impressive but he's beat pretty much just jobbers and pretty much no names essentially besides marco stunt i guess (laughs) in a sense his character is so domineering and just so straight to the point. He can demand a title shot and just over just see everything else. He doesn't need to have that. So do I think he deserves it? Not necessarily, but does his character merit it? Yeah. To, to play Dark Order's advocate, Flobo, if it wasn't Brody Lee going after the title, who else could go after the title at Double or Nothing in three weeks or two weeks? I, I, I'm, I don't know math. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I was actually looking at my notes at this, and I actually wrote down, "Hey, it's Kaz. Remember Kaz? What happened to SCU? 
Oh, uh, yeah, to, answer, <laughs> to answer your question, man, there ain't there ain't nobody. Brody Lee, whether you like him or not, and I do agree with you, Josh, but he's a force of nature. He's that guy. He's formidable. He's the only person right now on the roster, save for Lance Archer, but he's in another division right now where Cheon Moxie may have a chance of losing. And that's what gets people to tune in. I don't think he should be champion because I think the Dark Order is that great. And it should take some time to, to help rebuild the main play of the Dark Order because Evil Uno had to slot down to make room for Brody Lee. So they had to get strength, in my opinion. But yeah, as far as you look at the chart now, there's no one else you can put John Moxley with. That's more or more less feeding it to him, you know? Is it a little weird that they added 10 and started kind of building him as like the future Dark Order henchman? Yeah, because Stu Grayson and Evil Uno now gone, it seems, at least for now, obviously, scheduling is weird. Let's not forget all that. Uh, did they lose their spot? Is that a problem, we think? I, I think it might be. I think you have this 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 idea that's very strong and is a desire to keep it going, and Brody Lee is charismatic enough, but it's going to be a time where we're like, yeah, who are you cutting promos to, bro? Like, come on, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think I, I get exactly what, yeah, Josh, you're saying. I, I think in a perfect world, but I think with this whole COVID thing, it definitely it's, is causing them to hard reset and just have to not hard reset, but they didn't have time to really build someone. I think it's too early for MJF. And I think MJF is probably going to be the guy that actually takes the title. Um, so that's my opinion on all of that. But someone who does have a title and who's not looking to lose it soon, Nyla Rose <sighs> barreling through Kenzie page who did her best, which is all we can ask for. I love the promo before this, where they talk about how the women's division has really escalated since all this started. And they actually do a really good job talking about Britt Baker being the scourge of the locker room and with Sheeta uh, being not win, not if, but win, and Penelope Ford being athletic and really showing that, like, when they showed me this video package, I thought, wow, the women's division in AEW is pretty sick right now. Oh, yeah. Although you are the host of NXT, which still, if I'm being totally honest, is the class of women's wrestling right now. How do you feel about the AEW women's, uh, women's roster as it is? Uh, one, short answer, total improvement over this time last year or even in the fall. Uh, and it in two different ways. One, Nala Rose's match was a squash, but they made a point to give her a heavyweight matchup. It could have been very easy to give someone who wasn't like, you know, ready or sized to show Nyla Rose to be like, hey, look, she can go in her division if you're doing the whole sports presentation weight class thing. But that package proves, hey, look, we're AEW. We listen to you. And you not, may not be going as fast as you may want. And NXT over there has, has so many other women that are coming up that there's now undercard feuds happening in that women's division. But we're, we have documented proof we are moving the needle. Stay with us. There's more to come. And that's all you can ask for for wrestling fans. Improvement, right? Yeah, I, I love that answer. And uh, Josh, I want to ask you something that stuck out to me. Uh, Chris Statlander was not mentioned in in the the thing in the video package of some of the people who've been doing a great job. And even though she has been doing a good job, do you think with how serious the world is right now that the alien thing is silly, or do you think it's cool that she keeps it? What are your thoughts on the alien thing? I mean, I think she should keep it. I mean, it's one of those gimmicks where it's not really seen as much, and I think if it's played out correctly 
then it could work. I mean, I don't think it's that goofy. Stylistically, it looks pretty cool. And she definitely presents that character in a manner where it can be taken seriously. Now, is it like something like Max Moon back in the 90s? Eh, that's <laughs> deep cut. Deep cut. Deep cut right there. <laughs> so it's definitely not as goofy as, say, that type of character. But if done correctly and not done to the extreme, like saying that she wears tinfoil hats or just trying to communicate with her home planet or whatever, that would feel a little bit too much. But then just focusing on her, I guess you can just focus on like something that she loves, like sci-fi, or she's really into just like, ufo conspiracies or anything like that i think that would be okay because that is relatable to some people in the world where they do believe in that stuff so i guess you could say play it up to a t but don't overdo it and i think that would be successful chris tatlander's point that's my my note too if you give me one aw promo she goes in science fiction it's about the smartest the best it isn't about where you're from or who holds you back it's about your truth value and justice hard science chris tatlander i'm in Truth, value, and justice is a very keen point you make because they also announced the casino ladder match for Double or Nothing. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, so, and what it's going to be, it's going to be a ladder match. People are going to duke it out for a chance to have a match with John Moxley. I think we all hear this and the first thing goes off is money in the bank in our yes. head. Uh, now, they didn't say specifically the rules or what exactly is going to go on with it. Uh, Flobo, again, as the Raw After Buzz host, is it okay? Let's let's just say, is it okay if AEW is like, yeah, we're gonna steal that idea. It's great. We're gonna use it. Is that? Is, do you think that's okay? Because I think it's okay. Uh, okay. It, yes, as a match, it's okay. And I know there's a little bit of an intellectual property war happening with the match beyond and war games and Bash the Beach and Slam Marie and all that. Uh, I think it's fine. I think these kind of matches, because of the stakes, automatically become exciting events. I want to see AEW's interpretation of this. Pepsi exists mm-hmm. because Coke exists. Uh, exactly. But the Wednesday Night War, man, those, those, the hatred on the social media feeds, I am over it. <laughs> I feel everyone takes everything and pulls it aside and no one wants to be in the middle. But AEW is totally right to do it. You know, why not? Yeah, I think it's going to be a blast. Uh, we're running out of time, so I have to do the hard cut into our final segment, folks. And we all know what that is. That is the Elite of the Week. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Elite of the Week, where we count down the top five people starting at number five. We've got the native beast, Nyla Rose. She came back, and she's hitting harder. She's going faster, and she will cut you off by yelling in your face if you have anything to say that she may not like. At number four, he's got ten guys helping him. It is Brody Lee with the dark order he beat up marco's son maybe he isn't the most highly ranked guy but he doesn't care because he makes people exceptional and he's gonna make the world title exceptional number three we've got lance archer there was like five parts of the show today where people were talking about things that lance archer was involved in He's killing people. He's going for the TNT title. He is an unstoppable freight train with a long red ponytail. And at number two, we've got the thrown together tag team of Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. These two, they've never teamed together before, but they were part of one of the most fun matches I've seen in such a long time. Kenny Omega is having match of the year candidate after match of the year candidate after match of the year candidate. And Matt Hardy, everything he does is wildly 
entertaining. So they're sharing the number two spot. But number one, it is the entire inner circle because teamwork makes the dream work. And they got a huge win in the most shenanigan-filled backstage brawl I can remember even including people getting run over. They fought through the adversity of all that, and they came up with a win, and they got their name up on the scoreboard in big lights where it belongs. And ladies and gentlemen, that is your Elite of the Week. The week. Nailed it, right, guys? Every time. Perfect. Nailed it. But I keep thinking. <laughs> you did miss someone. I think you should give an honorary mention to Pineapple Pete. Shug D, Pineapple Pete. Pineapple Pete. Can he keep the name Shug D? I mean, he's he's Pineapple Pete, isn't he, Flobo? Yeah, pretty I mean, much. Come yeah. on. Ooh, <laughs> like, you know what I just thought of right now? What would be a great match? Maybe in my demented head. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but Pineapple Pete versus Orange Cassidy. How would that play out? <laughs> they could be. Oh, and they're morning. managed by the Jaquita Banana Lady. <laughs> Boom. In a fruit salad match, player. <laughs> Salad match. Uh, I think that's a good place to put a bow on it. Uh, so before we go, as always, Flobo, why don't you tell the world where they can find you online? Oh, yeah. You can find me over at flobito.com. Support the homie and buy a t-shirt at flobito.thrillers.com. But every Thursday, this guy teams up with that guy, Jack Farmer, for a show called Wrestling With Your Questions. We answer all your questions in a glorified mailbag, pop, cup, sports, everything is involved. Come check it out. Yes, and Josh Alonzo. All right, y'all. You guys can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at J-O-A-L-323. And Rye Guy in the booth, when you're not disappointing me right before we go live on the air, where can they find you? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> what an insider, inside baseball there. Uh, you, guys can, you guys can find me at Ryan Nilsson on Twitter, at Ryan Nilsson, N-I-L-S-E-N on Instagram, and Star Wars News every Thursday, 4 p.m. Happy Star Wars Day week and year. Jack Frost. Breaking kayfabe tonight. Jack you Frost. know what's funny? You know what's funny, Ryan? I don't even actually remember what the what it was that you guys got disappointed about. Uh, I think it's because I, yeah, I, yeah, I called you Jim. I'm pretty sure Jim. I called right. you Jim by me, accident. That's right. You called me Jim. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you can find me at jackcfarmer.com as well as at Real Jack Farmer across all social media. You can also check me out on the WWE Raw after show every Monday at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as well as, as Flobo said, wrestling with your questions every Thursday, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We answer all your questions, but most importantly, tomorrow you need to check in because we have some awesome, big, groundbreaking news that we're going to share, but you got to tune in to find out. And guess what? It ties in a little bit with AfterBuzz. We call that synergy, folks. We're working together. Tune in 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube. And until then, as always, do your best and be yourself. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners.